Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. So I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Notable Newcastle Authors. This is Michael Blacksland speaking to Graham Cooper. Graham is um, very well known around Newcastle as a, as a, a multi-talented author of, of, of a lot of different things. Novels, plays, poetry. Um, why the variety? Uh, I'm trying to get good at at least one of them, Michael. <laughs> I, I figure the, uh, the broader the net... Sooner or later, I'll nail down one of those uh, one of those genres. Because through the City of Newcastle Drama Awards, you're quite known for uh, for plays that you you've written. Your novel, though, Vinegar, writing novels is very much different to uh, to, to writing plays or, or, or shorter forms, and uh, much more difficult, I suppose. Vinegar, in particular, it was written in a rather uh, where it draws the title from the style. Actually, it was written in a rather. Uh, unusual method. I would write reams and reams and reams of of the novel, of prose, and distill that down into a few words, just to get the essence and the emotion and the feeling of what it was that those nine hundred pages represented for each character or each situation. So, uh, what might have taken three months to write and to map out in the final. The final edition of the novel as it exists might only be a couple of sentences. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very exhausting. And then you realise you've got another 4,000 words to go. Uh, for, for the, the first, end of that the first chapter. chapter. Yes, yeah, I was sort of indebted to Michael Jamison, who edited all that together. We worked together pretty closely in the last 18 months of that 13-year project. And he was uh, kind enough to order and sequence the chapters to give it some sort of flow, even though it's not. There's no real linear narrative to the novel. Mm-hmm. He was able to uh, put that together to make some kind of beginning, middle, and ending. A lot of the stuff that you write, I suppose, you could describe as observational. That's where you get a lot of your your, your inspiration from, having a look at at the world, how you see it, which may or may not be a good thing, and then presenting that. The comedy, yes. But it's also how I perceive other people's observations. Mm-hmm. I mean, comedy is is all about the zeitgeist and knowing what people are thinking rather than what I'm thinking. So after a lifetime of writing comedy, it becomes easier and easier and easier looking at the media, talking to people, knowing what they're thinking. It's easy to be a satirist, you know, knowing what's what's in people's minds at any given any given moment. But yeah, sure, you know, there's the observational stuff links in with that as well mm, because mm. I'm living in the same world as everybody else and yes. whilst I may not see things exactly the same as someone else, 
you know, there are common links. Using your experience um, through working uh, in, in various parts of the aged care sector, there was one of your, your award-winning plays, which was a, a two-hander that you were in with Fiona Mundy about aged care and ageing. Tell us a bit about that. I'm particularly proud of Pyjamas in the Daytime you're referring to. And I wrote that for Fiona. Uh, not a lot of people know that. It was a, it was a wonderful play. And Fiona Mundy is one of Newcastle's finest actresses. And she's always playing bit parts and um, ensemble parts. And for many years, I thought, I'm going to write a play for her to show off her acting skills. And Pyjamas in the Daytime had been in my head for a long, long time, having worked in aged care for on and off for about 30 years. And I put that together and she loved it. We'd worked together on some university reviews and some comedy stuff with Footlice. And she'd been involved in a couple of other of my plays. And it was just joyous to work with her and see her play an old lady with such tenderness. And the script was, it's an homage to the thousands of nice old ladies that I've met working in aged care, you know, since the early 90s. And it was just beautiful to do. She picked up on the nuances and the the tenderness and the love in the script and it was a joy to do i'm not fussed on acting to be honest i'd rather get people who know what they're doing (laughs) to do that but it was a bit of a rushed thing and i couldn't resist the opportunity to play opposite fee in a play that i was very proud of having written not just because of the comedy and the warmth and the tenderness in the play but it had a lot of meaning for me personally, because the character of Phyllis was based on these beautiful people that were were so willing to share their life stories with me as I was working as a diversional therapist trying to um, give a little joy to the last few years of their life. Um, um, uh, there's, there's someone in here. Yeah, that'll be Phyllis. She can't talk, just clean around her. And don't give her any cigarettes. I suppose you want me to move. Uh, 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 what? Uh, wh- oh, are you deaf? Um, no, 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 sorry, they, uh, they, they said you couldn't talk. Don't talk. Not can't talk. There's a difference, you know. Yes, y- yes, I know. Uh, I- I'm sorry. What are you sorry for? Uh, what? Oh, nothing. Oh, sorry. Oh, God. Are you, are you gay? What? No, no, uh, I'm James. Of course you are. Are you a gay man, James? No, no, I'm not. Well, well, I don't think so. Why would you ask that? Well, most men who work in aged care are gay men. No, uh, no, no, uh, not me. I'm, I'm not gay. Nothing to be ashamed of. I know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not gay. Stop saying you're sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, God. It's a pity. What? It's a pity you're not gay. Why? Well, the gay men who work here are nice. They bring me cigarettes. I'm nice. I'm James. Yes. Yes, you are. So I suppose you want me to move. What? No, no, please. This is your home. You should be allowed to... This is not my home, you idiot. It's a coffin with catering. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Will you stop saying you're sorry? Yes, of course. Uh, Hello, uh, I'm James. What do you want me to do with that? Uh, It's my hand. I I was going to shake your hand. Please don't. I don't like being touched. Okay. I respect that, Phyllis. My name's not Phyllis. Oh, well, they said that you Don't believe everything you hear around here. My name is Jean. They call me Phyllis. Ah, I see. Uh, Why? 
for convenience. See, there were too many jeans around here, so they called me Phyllis to stop the confusion, you see. Ah, don't mind. It was my first husband's pet name for me, Phyllis. Um, Shall I call you Phyllis? What? Yeah, well, you can call me Phyllis. Though, I think there's only one other Jean left here at the moment. She never leaves her room, just lays in bed all day. So it could hardly be any confusion much more. Not much of a Jean pool anymore. Or do you prefer Jean? I can call you Jean. Call me Phyllis. It was my husband's pet name for me, you know. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, uh, Hello, Phyllis. I'm James. (sighs) Hello, James. I'm Phyllis. I'm new here. Oh, God. Yes, James, you are new here and I am old here. (laughs) That's funny. There's nothing funny about being old, especially about being old in here. Well, it it seems like a nice place. I'm just new here. Mm. What is it you are new at, James, apart from, well, most things, it seems? I'm working in the kitchen, you know, helping out, serving tea, light cleaning, uh, helping out, serving the meals. Oh, I see. You are to bring the gruel. What? You are the gruel jockey. I, um... Oh, dear. Listen, you know how to make tea? No one around here seems to know how to make tea. Well, I'll try. I like my tea strong. Milk in first, two sugars stirred lightly. You understand? Understood. And uh, and your gruel? Ah, uh, don't much care for the food here. It's tasteless grey muck. Well, have you said anything? To who? Oh, well, I don't know. Management, the kitchen, the nurses, the care staff? Ha! <laughs> care staff. That's a laugh. No, best not to complain here, James. Not to be a, a difficult resident. Best just... To be. Be what? Well, to be or not to be. <laughs> that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune... Uh, uh, sorry. You know Hamlet? N- not personally. Did you ever meet him? <laughs> 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 Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> uh, well, don't you have things to do? Like... Cleaning, gruel to stir. Oh, I can make you a cup of tea. But it's not time for tea, and we've had morning tea. Oh, if you'd like tea, I can make you a cup of tea. What? What? Yes. Thank you, James. Strong tea. Yes, yes, strong tea. Milk in first, two sugars lightly stirred. Well, yes. Well, yes, thank you. <laughs> Do you know Hamlet? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Chats with notable Newcastle authors. We have an inspiring array of e-learning and author programs for you to be part of. To access them, visit Newcastle Library's website or app. A couple of years ago, you uh, embarked on a poetry exercise where you were writing a short poem every day for a year and that eventually became a one-off production. It must have needed quite a bit of study on what you were doing and sticking to the task. That was a great project. I urge everyone to do that, by the way. I think it's a wonderful thing to do and I would usually give myself until, you know, nine or ten in the morning to have a, a four-line 
rhyming two and four pattern poem ready by 9am and sometimes, you know, they'd be instant. And other times, believe it or not, you know, I put myself under pressure to, to do that every day and I was actually worried that I wasn't going to get one done. Mm. Uh, and, of course, we turned that into a one-night-only show and that's why we did Nice Things, which uh, your good self, you were kind enough to introduce that. So thank you for that. That was great fun. It was only ever meant to be one night and ephemeral and throwaway due to the nature of the poems. And it was great fun. A lot of people have said, can you do it again? Can you do it again? And, look, I said I simply can't afford Michael Blacksland to come no, in and, and, uh, <laughs> and introduce that. But it was, it was again, you, you mentioned sort of the different styles uh, in your introduction. That was mostly observational. And uh, the, the goal there was to have something that would be understandable and accepted by, acceptable by more people than not. The search party was dispatched at considerable public cost. If he's an experienced bushwalker, then why the fuck's he lost? I had written him a letter, entire replied his friend. Clancy's gone a droven. Wish I was. That's the end. We didn't catch a single thing, although we stayed out late. I'll not go fishing with family again. Next time I'll use bait. Consider the little koalas sleeping away their cares. I hate those lazy Bastards, they're not even real fucking bears. Wild pigs are dangerous. They're evil, mad and vicious. But if you can catch one, man, are they delicious. I bought a faulty dolphin. It was not fit for purpose. The shopkeeper agreed and swapped it for a porpoise. I can't decide between guinea pigs or a pair of ferrets. It's important, though, when choosing pets, to consider all their merits. Rainbow lorikeets are pretty, energetic and aerobic. And judging by their plumage, never homophobic. (laughs) You and I love platypuses. Their antics warm our hearts. They're special little creatures, assembled from spare parts. I've sat and drank with many men and never known their name. It's never really bothered me. Drunks are all the same. Lennon and McCartney wrote most of the songs. George played lead guitar and Ringo packed the bongs. I won't play chess with you again. You treat me like a fool. You took away my bishops, said they were touching kids in school. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, with his bright light on, was the leader of the sleigh, the flying venison. I used to be desirable, handsome, fit and svelte. But the only thing getting action now is the last hole on my belt. I love a royal wedding. The pomp and the tradition, they mean a great deal to me. Like uprising and sedition. The horrors of this modern world are tearing me asunder. Don't give me the -the over-the-counter pills. Give me the ones you keep under. I know it isn't much, but it's all I've got. You can have a bit of it, then we'll both have a lot. The spider weaves an elaborate web in the hope of catching flies. If he weaves a crappy one, he can't eat and dies. The night sky lights up with a billion coloured sparks, the annual waste of money, while people live in parks. No, you cannot have that. You'll have to join the poor. There's not enough for everyone. Besides, I deserve more. 
putting up with fuckwits is easier than it seems. Remember, you can shoot them at night in pleasant dreams. There was movement at the station because some horse had got astray, but someone brought it back before the end of day. Please stop being racist. Please stop all the fuss. Because of all the Muslims, there's all the more pork for us. Never cast or stereotype a people or a race, lest a drunken Irishman punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's enough. Newcastle boasts some award-winning and inspired authors who live and work in our city. You can access some of these stories and more via Newcastle Library's website or app. The next couple of projects, one one thing is, uh, of course, the isolation and the uh, strictures under the, the, the COVID pandemic is something that will be with us for, for quite a few years. You're looking at that uh, as, uh, as far as the... The next project goes. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much putting the finishing touches actually on um, on a play entitled "The Holiday," which is about a uh, a couple, a man and a woman, who are in isolation. It, it starts off as quite a wonderful break from work. Mm. Are, they've been married for a couple of years, this couple, but they soon discover that enforced isolation and and proximity uh the pitfalls that that can bring also a children's novel a collection you're looking at Uh, as well more of a more of a book of silly poetry silly poetry and and silly cartoons the one-man show and that's why we can't have nice things interspersed with the the dark and satirical observations of daily life and the uh, the human condition littered throughout that were some rather whimsical little milligan ogden nash style mm. children's poems poems about animals uh, for weeks and months i did sit and do nothing but knit and knit for i had promised to gift a scarf to a very tall giraffe that sort of good. that sort yes. of nonsense yes. so i uh, little things that would sit nicely next to a uh, a caricature of a giraffe in that instance mm-hmm. why do you flip between type and type do you get bored with with one or comedy is always the base uh-huh. i mean my, comedy was my grounding mm-hmm. uh work with university reviews in the the late 80s and with footlife theater company i i wrote comedy for TV and radio for a few years following on from that. So comedy's always been the the basis. I think if you want to be a writer, you've really got to have an understanding of comedy, whether Mm. it's the written word or whether it's written for performance. Comedy gives you a great grounding in not just what an audience reacts to when they read something, but also the power of words and how words can be assembled and put together to create something out of nothing mm. and whereas some people are novelists or some people might be playwrights or poets you found that you've taking those words just depends where the whimsy takes you i suppose i guess so michael it's it's also uh once i begin a project i become very passionate and it becomes it becomes all consuming i'm in negotiations at the moment actually I've turned Pyjamas in a Daytime, that lovely play, into a 10-part sitcom. And I'm trying to, desperately to get that produced locally. 
being a Newcastle boy, and I'm hoping to uh, continue those negotiations with the Newcastle production company, either as a web series or production for TV. So whilst there's a couple of things happening parallel, I have a habit of dropping something and picking something up and coming back to it. I suppose if you've got a lot of uh, things on your slate, then you can go, okay, well, I'll have a look at that now and give that a bit of time. And That, that has uh, its benefits and its pitfalls, having too many irons in the fire, rather. You, uh, you put something away and then if you put it away for too long, it gets eaten away by mould and, and the, <laughs> the tyranny of time and distance. And when it comes back out, you look at it and think, I have no connection to that yes. anymore. It's like it's written by somebody else Indeed. or it's not mine anymore, you know. Well, I mean, certainly you've enjoyed success as a novelist. Vinegar is still available, I take it. Yes. Um, indeed. And, and as a playwright and poet as well too. So we look forward to the, the next couple of projects there, speaking with Graham Cooper today, Newcastle literary legend. Thank you. Been a pleasure, Michael. Thanks for listening to Notable Newcastle Authors. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to keep our story going. This has been a Newcastle Library's Real Production. 